0: Welcome to Communion House Podcast with Pastor Moses Anderson, a ministry raised by God for the rebirth of the early church, with a strong commitment to seeing others rise and shine as in those days. Get ready for this timely teaching and encouraging word.
1: And I want to share with us a picture, a picture that is um, on my heart today to share with us right from... um, the book of exodus right from the book of exodus today we're going to be reading from exodus chapter 4 and exodus chapter 4 is an interesting one and for those who are familiar uh with the order of things in the accounts of the exodus as soon as i said chapter 4 you're probably um getting ready for some interesting stuff um it's perhaps the most controversial chapter in the book of exodus and um And I just, I tell you what, I I like to, uh, I I like, you know, when, when I'm being led to get into these things, you know, because a lot of those things that we have been afraid of or afraid of talking about in the past, we're no longer afraid to speak about because right now we're no longer babes. You know, children are the ones afraid of the dark. When you were a child, you were afraid, most of us, I would say, we were afraid to sleep in the room by ourselves. We need somebody to tell us a story. We need somebody to come turn off the light after we are falling asleep because we want to sleep with the light on. Uh, Because as soon as the lights are turned off, you know, the things on the wardrobe start to appear like moving objects and even your little toy that you placed with your own hand on your vanity on the table or on on, on the cupboard in your room starts to look like an animated uh, army of soldiers coming to get you and eat you and eat your soul. remember all those things that would scare us when we're children the same thing applies to the body of Christ There were times wherein we, we stared away we steered away from certain things because they were deemed to be controversial we didn't want to step into those things uh, simply because we just weren't there yet in maturity but now by the grace of God we can talk about things like um, Exodus chapter 4 just like we spoke about e- Matthew chapter 8 the other day uh, the, the on Sunday talking about the account of Matthew who saw two um, crazy men or two lunatics, uh, while the other accounts of Dr. Luke and uh and, and fisherman Mark were very much you know, um, different in the sense that they saw only one, you know. But those things we can get into now by the grace of ghana and we're not as pus- puzzled and as baffled as we used to be. And so, again, one of these, uh, one of those things is Exodus chapter 4, where it was said, I mean, we'll, we'll read it, I don't want to, uh, I don't want to, um, uh, give anything away just yet. Let's, um, let's get into it first of all. Uh, let's get into it but first of all I want to share with you um, uh, the title of the vision that I would be sharing with us today. It is called The Wrecking Ball the wrecking ball. So today I'll be speaking about the power, about the power of the Holy Spirit, the power of the kingdom, the power of the believer. Uh, But I want us to have this picture of the wrecking ball while we get into it. Why the wrecking ball? The wrecking ball simply because uh, actually, you know what? Maybe what I need to do is read this Exodus, tell us the picture, and then we'll take it from there. So Exodus chapter 4, if you would turn in your Bibles with me, um, I typically read from the New King James Bible and, um, and I smile because I've never seen at any point in time where many uh, controversies are arising about various translations of the Bible as you've seen today on social media. It's just been crazy. The last seven days especially. I have seen a lot of people saying, oh, or let's put maybe the last two weeks, actually. Oh, you can't talk, you can't use that translation. You can't do this and you can't do that. Just been phenomenal. Things that we get into when we have a bit of time on our hands, right? Oh, yes. But I'm reading from the New King James Bible, uh, my favorite translation. And um, let's begin from verse 18. Uh, Verse 18 uh, details uh, um, the response or includes the response of Moses uh, to the call of God. And so God had appeared to Moses in the burning bush. He had had a conversation with God. He had asked and requested a a special introduction from God. And he had gotten God to introduce himself as the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. He's introduced himself as the I am that I am. And so Moses knew quite well who he was dealing with. He has now had a revelation of the God that he has heard about. He has seen the demonstration of the power of of this God that he has heard about Moses was at a place where I believe that the church is coming to wherein all the power that we have heard about we're about to begin to experience but I must say that the the ways of God have not changed he is the same yesterday today and forever And you know, that's kinda like being one of the themes of my messages lately, wherein I'm constantly reminding us to go back and look at the way God operated and God dealt with people in the past because in the same way he deals with us today. Even when Jesus himself was asked, what will be the signs of the last days? Jesus says the signs of the last days will be like the signs of one of the last days that we've had before. Because in the time of Noah, there were last days because the Lord flooded the earth, right? And other than the animals and the men and women that were in the ark, every other beast was killed. All of the men died. And so for them, that was their last days, okay? That was their last days. And Jesus says, your last day events will be like the last day events. Of Noah he said as it was in the days of Noah so shall it be in the days of the son of man isn't it amazing that nothing should catch us unawares we shouldn't be surprised first Thessalonians chapter 5 says let not the day of the Lord come upon you as a thief in the night for so it shall come upon the children of disobedience The ones who are not being attentive, that's what it means to the word of God. The day of the Lord will come upon them as a thief in the night. But Paul said, not you, not you. You have the ordinances of God, not you, the holy beloved, not you. Because you have read in scriptures, you have seen the way of God. You've seen the ways of God. You've seen the way God operates the same way he will operate today. So when you see the way Moses encountered the power of God, before the children of God encountered it as a collective, it is an indicator to us of how we can expect to encounter the power of God. Moses, first of all, by himself, no wife, no child, no no colleagues, no no church members, no no pastors, no associates, just him encountered the Lord in the wilderness. When he saw the burning bush, And then he was able to take that testimony of the experience. Again, and we're going to get into it today. Moses went not just with the testimony, but he also went with the blood. You know, the Bible says that we overcame by the blood of the lamb and by the words of our testimony. And so Moses had a blood encounter and then he had a testimony with which he went to Pharaoh and went to his brethren. And together the brethren encountered the power of God and Pharaoh also encountered the power of God. And so I know that on Sunday I was speaking more about the authority of the believer as being more effective in the collective. Yes. However, experiencing the power of God begins with you as an individual. Okay, so we will re- experience such an outpouring of the power of God, but I believe that it has already begun because many of us in isolation, in solitude right now, in the lockdown, in the, in, in the sheltering place, we have started to experience individually the power of God and the power of God begins sometimes in the form of a personal aw- awakening, personal realization coming to know the truth, coming to recognize and to experience the difference between the lies of the enemy that are being perpetrated by men who serve mammon as opposed to serving God or men who have given in to mammon by selling their soul to the enemy for some change. You know, you like Judas did. You, we, we, we're now beginning to see that, okay, wait a minute, those guys, they've been saying this for years and I've been following and listening, but now the Lord is revealing to me that their heart is actually not really after the sheep, but their hearts really is after their own pockets. And you were beginning to see that, well, wait a minute, wait a minute. This is the way that I've always understood and believed this to be, but now, so the power of God the salvation, this resurrection power that Paul said that I may know him, and the power of his resurrection is beginning to be a- a- apparent, or is becoming more apparent to us, and it's now becoming the awakening reality of many believers, and I am excited to see that, because that is the beginning of the ways of God. You experience that, like Moses experienced it on his own, and then you now have something to take to others and collectively, we can see the manifestation of the power. I think it's very important for us to note because sometimes we read these things and we forget that they were written for us so that we can continue to draw from them things, both old and new, draw from the word of God resources for everyday living, resources that teach us how to take steps in Christ, how to take steps, not just as Christians by name, but as believers by fruits. In the mighty name of Jesus, I pray that that will be your experience. If it isn't just yet, that you will begin to experience the power of God for yourself. So that is where Moses was at. Moses had experienced the power of God in the wilderness, in the burning bush. And now verse 18 details his response. He didn't keep it to himself. The Bible says, so Moses went and returned to Jethro, his father-in-law, and said to him, please let me go and return to my brethren who are in Egypt. And see whether they are still alive. And Jethro said to Moses, go in peace. Now the Lord said to Moses in in Midian, go return to Egypt for all the men who sought your life are dead. (laughs) Moses didn't have to do anything to the people who had kept him from Egypt. The Lord took care of those. Okay. The men who sought his life, some of them were age mates of his. Remember that it wasn't like when Moses was 40 years old, he was being hunted down by men that were 120 years. If you were a fugitive running for your dear life, the authority would not send after you 200-year-old men. The authority would send after you able-bodied men. And by the time of this writing, Moses was about eight, 80 years old. And the Lord says, all the ones who sought his life had died. But when he got back to Egypt, The members of his household who were even older than him were still alive. Aaron was alive. Miriam was alive. And people didn't die at 80 about that time. People lived longer than that. And so what does that tell you? The Lord took care of the enemies of Moses. And I just want to encourage you with that, that those things that have kept you from your blessings, those things that have kept you and your family from fulfilling destiny, that has kept your generation from from answering the call of God and being fruitful in your faith, the Lord will take care of them. And so whoever it is that has constituted an enemy to the body of Christ, Whatever forces they might be, no matter how established they might be in their concomitants of evil, the Lord would take care of them. Job had the same revelation before Moses did because remember Job lived before Moses and Job said the Lord confuses the devices of the crafty in Job chapter five verse 12, such that their hands are unable to carry out the works of their enterprise. I am saying this specifically to my brothers and sisters, to my friends and my neighbors, to those people who have, who have paid a bit more attention to conspiracy theories this season, perhaps than they should. And now they're beginning to fear that, wow, if truly there are some people who have the resources to make our lives difficult, how do we overcome them? How do we overpower them? You don't worry about them. Do not worry about any evil that is being courted any evil that is being put together or even perpetrated do not worry about any one of those things because the same God who took care of the enemies of Moses the same God who took care of those people that wanted to destroy the life of Moses God took care of them he says I have taken care of your enemies and I hope this is helping somebody sleep better at night. I hope this helps somebody, I mean, sleep better at night. I hope this is helping somebody already right now realize or be reminded that we don't have anything to worry about. I was speaking to a, a dear brother of ours yesterday, Matthew. And it was like he says, Pastor Moses, I'm just so thankful to God for you and thankful uh, to the joy and the cheer that I get when I listen to the broadcast. When I listen to your broadcasting, you come on. And folks, that is... What, should, what that that's exactly what every one of us should experience—the joy of the Holy Spirit. And such so joy of the Holy Spirit comes in knowing that you are His, that God, that you belong to God, and God is saying that you are Mine. So that you can echo back and saying, "I am Yours." God is saying, "I have taken care, taken care of your enemies," so that you can unleash your faith to the full um, extent of. Or, 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 or of what you need to receive in this season and in this time, because now you're not afraid because God has taken care of the enemy. Alrighty, God is good. So God said to Moses, oh, 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 Look, I've taken care of those people, they were all dead. Verse 20 Then Moses took his wife and his sons and set them on a donkey and returned to the land of Egypt. So this is Moses going to answer the call of God. This was not like Jonah. Right? When God told Jonah to go to Nineveh, Jonah decided that rather than go to the land of Ninos, which is Nineveh, that he will go. Um, and I, I, decided, I mentioned that on purpose, the land of Ninos, because for a while I didn't know. And, and if, you, if, you are, if you've been studying you know the, the story of the missionary journey of, of, of Jonah and, and you're getting hung up on the significance of Nineveh, of all places, hope that helps you. It was the land of Ninos. I just, I'm just throwing that in there for the people who have actually been looking for that piece of information because uh, for a while it kind of eluded me. And if you are in that, in that bracket and you want to know a little bit more about the significance of Nineveh, in the account of Jonah and how that applies to us today, you can DM me. I've been doing some amazing study. Uh, God's allowed for me to lay my hands on, on some on some historical accounts that actually throw more light on that subject. And I don't want to keep it to myself. But then, of course, maybe this is not the platform for it because I've learned that sometimes if you answer questions that people aren't asking, they don't have a place to file it. It just goes it just flies over them or, or fly past them. So for you who's been wanting to know more about Nineveh and that great revival, I've I can i I've got a thing or two to share with you. But in any case, um, Moses' account was not like that of Jonah. Jonah was running away, was going in the opposite direction of where God asked him to go, right? And it was justified in his own eyes of why he needed to do that, of why that was okay for him to do. Uh, but Moses here, was actually going in the direction of where God wanted him to go. And why is that important? It is important for us to recognize that so that we know the reason why it is even more controversial, why this chapter 4 has become such a controversial subject amongst believers and historians. Now, this is what happens in verse 21. Verse 21, the Bible says, And the Lord said to Moses, When you go back to Egypt, see that you do all the wonders before Pharaoh. Which I have put in your hand. Do all the wonders before Pharaoh, which I have put in your hand. But I will harden his heart so that he will not let the people go. The reason why we know that already, I believe from Exodus, uh, from the previous chapter that God hardened, no, maybe in chapter seven, I think it is where God says, I hardened the heart of Pharaoh that I may show my power, you know, because God had made a commitment to himself and his friend, Abraham, that he would deliver the children of Abraham from captivity with with, with, with an outstretched arm and with a mighty hand, he would deliver them also that he might bless them. You see what I mean? And so God hardened the heart of Pharaoh to create an opportunity for the power of God to be made known. We saw that again in the New Testament in Acts chapter four, where God raised the concomitants of evil. Those from the synagogue of Satan who were calling themselves Jews, whom Jesus says they were not Jews, but they are of the synagogue of Satan, the Gentiles, Pontius Pilate and Herod, they came together when the Bible says in, in, in Acts chapter 4, that they came together as the hand of the Lord had instructed or as the hand of the Lord had preordained. They came together with hardness of heart to constitute an opposition against the church. Why? So that we can see such a manifestation of the power of the Holy Spirit that had never before been seen. You know that that was Acts chapter 4 where, they, where their hearts were hardened and in Acts chapter 5 or by the end of that, Acts, chapter, Acts chapter 4 the power of the Holy Spirit had come down in such a way that it almost made the day of Pentecost look like uh, like child's play simply because what we saw was after the day of Pentecost you know I mean after the day of Pentecost the, the people who came around still came close to Peter and the rest of them and they were trying to smell their breath like hmm, maybe these men are drunk remember what happened he, the Holy Spirit had just come down and he had come down on the apostles and on the 120 but the people could still come close to them but when the holy spirit came down in acts chapter 4 we read that by chapter 5 the people could no longer come close to them because the power had been turned to even a higher voltage so let me tell you something every opposition that we see experienced as the church i'm not talking about the oppositions that are self-induced by ignorance alright? I'm not talking about the opposition that is generated amongst us by hatred and jealousy and envy and strife and unforgiveness, but I'm talking about external opposition like the, like the, like, like these four concomitants and what they represent today. You see, whatever those external oppositions are, they come to create an avenue and a justification for the outpouring or the release of the power of God like never before been seen. So it's okay if for certain reasons, whether you agree with or not, we are being kept away from doing the things that we want to do or the things that we've always done. Look, let not those things deter your faith. Let them not stop you from believing and expecting for an outpouring because indeed we have come to a time such as this so that we can experience that great revival, so that we can experience that outpouring of the power of God, or let me put it this way that outpouring of the spirit for the manifestation of the power. It is coming, folks. I am so excited, I am eagerly waiting, and I am saying, Come, folks, come to the window, come join me at the window as we are looking with as we are looking with unveiled faces and with dated breaths, as we are looking to see the great manifestation of the power power of the Holy Spirit. So every opposition by the grace of God is helping us to get to that position of the manifestation of the power of God. I tell you what, every delay is there to help even our hearts to be conditioned right for the power that is coming. Alrighty. So here we have it folks. Moses was here and God was telling him, yes, the hardness of the heart of Pharaoh. Yeah, that's me. I'm the one doing it. He said to Peter in Acts chapter 4, you see what these guys are doing? Herod, Pontius, Pilate, you know, the, the, the children of Israel who are, who are in opposition, the, the Gentiles who are, who, who are in resistance, all of those people, it's me. I'm the one doing it because I want to make my power known on the earth. And I am asking you by faith to come and be witnesses with me or to my power. And so the folks, we're about to experience the same thing again, or shall I say we're even in the midst such an experience and so God told Moses I'm the one that is hardening the heart of Pharaoh then God said you shall say now I'm in verse 22 you shall say to Pharaoh thus says the Lord of Israel thus says the Lord Israel is my son my firstborn so I say to you let my son go that he may serve me but if you refuse to let him go indeed I will Kill your son, your firstborn. That is exactly what God did eventually, right? So he wasn't just bluffing. He never bluffs. He says the thing, he does it. He isn't bluffing. And so everything that he has said, those things, especially those things that you're beginning to read in the book of Revelations now that kind of scare you such that you can't sleep at night, those things, he would do them. He, he will do them. The, the, the angels that will bring destruction, will bring destruction. The angels that will sound the trumpet for your redemption, will sound the trumpet for your redemption. Every one of those things that God has said will come to pass. Do not be afraid, rejoice and exceedingly be glad because it is all for your sakes. Those who love him and the called according to his purpose. No matter what kind of destruction happens, no matter what perilous times come upon this world, no matter how much fear is being propagated, no matter how much war and rumors of war this world gets to experience. I tell you folks, the word of God says that all of those things are working together for your good because you are his investment. It is all about the body of Christ. I'm not saying that it is all about the Christian faith because a lot of that has been portrayed in the religious and the and uh, uh, the uh, in the religious aspects of things, and that's why people are saying, "Oh, you Christians are so full of yourself. You think everything is about you." Oh, newsflash! There are billions of people in the world. Everything is not about you, folks. Everything is about us. We are the apple of His eyes. It is about the body of Christ. It is about the harvest of souls from this pedestal, from this platform, from this realm. That is what it's about. So, no matter what they disguise it to be, they may make it look like a political tussle. They may make it look like an economic battle. It is all about the salvation of souls, 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 not the mountains, not the hills, not the fields. Not the grain, not the wine, it is soul. Maybe a little bit of the wine because the wine and the and the, and the the oil represents things of our soul, things that are of eternal value. But I tell you what, it is not any one of those things. Those things are there as mere distractions to keep our focus away from the things that matter. What matters is your soul. And if you begin or when you begin to think like that, when you and I begin to become more aware of what is important, of what is of value, we will get up and start winning souls because there is nothing more important than winning souls to Christ. For the Bible says he that wins a soul is wise. We need to read that and read that again. My brother was calling my attention to the other day to the book of Daniel chapter seven, wherein Daniel was being told that it is about the soul, it's about winning souls. And so let's make sure that we're not thinking, that, that we're not focusing on salvaging our investment in the stock market more than we are focusing on winning God's investment back into the kingdom that I lost in the world. It is about souls, 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 my friends. It is about souls and so here we are let's continue reading the bible says in verse 24 that it came to pass right And, and, and all of what i just said right now was an extension of what we read in verse 23 where god says i will take your son your firstborn your firstborn son and he did it he didn't say that i'm going to take the land he wasn't interested in the land He was letting him know that what is of value to me here is what is of value to you and I'm going to come after what's of value to you if you don't release what is of value to me. Do we get it? Does it make sense? I need us to think kingdom right here, okay? We're God's family. We're God's children. We sit around this table. I understand that, but it's not every day that we get to talk about things that just make us feel like we're royalty. We are royalty, all right, but we are also soldiers, and we need to start to think strategically about what matters so that we can hit the enemy where it matters. We can hit the enemy hard. God is like, I know where to punch you, Pharaoh. I know where to get you. I know your soft spot. I know what is critical to you. I'm going to go after your, your son because the God takes the son, God takes the throne. Because without sons, without offspring, the Pharaoh does not have any continuity. And God is saying, I'm going to come after you. I'm going to come after you and deal a blow that is going to be of an eternal consequence. That is the way we need to start thinking as believers. Because if you think like that, then you become more aware of what the enemy wants to take. The enemy wants to take from you the things that are of eternal consequences. And so that's why you need to return the favor, if you can call it that, and deal a blow. At the enemy this these are the kind of things that shape the prayer of the believer I have an understanding of such things oh my goodness I feel like today I may go for two hours come on because we're just getting started here and it's getting juicier and juicier verse 24 424 this is the seat of the controversy but whenever you find controversy like that you find truth because the honey is in the rocks Come on folks, the honey is in the rocks. the, The riddle of Samson says out of the strong comes something sweet. Because when he slew the lion, it was out of the lion, out of the strong that the honey came from. So, don't shy away from things that are mysterious in the Word of God because in the mystery is revelation that will change your life, is revelation that will equip you for purpose and for fulfilling destiny. So, 424, the Bible says, And it came to pass on the way at the encampment that the Lord met with him and sought to kill him. Woo! Marabusandeliamokosha delia bababarite, city, te, city, Yimota, Lukufa in the Bodaye, Lumarati, Kayobli, Rabosh, Ali Moos, Aki, Kuyelo, Kumara de ondeli Ondele, Marat, this kid, the Ledigababa. Lift up your head, O oh ye gates, and be lifted up, you everlasting doors, and let the King of Glory come in. There are gates of religious mindsets that have been broken away right now, that have been shattered. Because the Lord has cut the gates of brass and cut the bars of iron into pieces. So the Lord the Lord, in his power, by his grace, in his faithfulness, and by the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit in here today through this broadcast is shattering the strongholds of religious mindsets that have kept the people of God back. For the Lord Himself says, My people perish for lack of knowledge. Andu tinkayomo, and ilimika ilemika uskayolomo, rota yemu ku ali kiske rimi kaboyodo ali ke musunta yalama rati elekemumu kusko yalaba. Iratoya edizama, unduli kayelo, omba si leme kande yama, adubi yakasi, roya limikokove, yelemedo Father, I thank you. As I desired in my heart for my brethren to see. Lord, I thank you because you are granting and you have granted the desire of my heart and folks will see as they are seeing, the eyes of men are being opened. If you've been struggling to see, if you've been struggling to get deeper understanding of the scripture, I want you to point to the screen right now. If yours is a mobile phone, why don't you hold it close to your heart? Because I know that this is God answering my prayers. This is the answer to prayers. A couple of days ago, I felt a burden in my heart to pray that my brethren will see, like Gehazi was prayed for, like like Elijah laid his hands on Gehazi for him to see. Lord, my people need to see. And I've been praying, Lord, let my brethren see. Let their eyes be open. I talk to some people sometimes and and their, and and their lack of awareness of the truth about these current times is just so disheartening. And I say, Lord, let their eyes be open that they may see. And the Lord is letting me know in this moment that He is that he's answered me. And my brethren will see. So open your eyes and begin to see. Go into your closet and pray. And now you will see, you will hear what the Spirit is saying unto the churches for the strongholds of those religious mindsets and those ancient gates have been broken and have been lifted up right now and the king of glory is coming. The knowledge of the glory of God that fills the earth will fill your heart and you will see in the mighty name of Jesus. It is my desire that you will prophesy. It is my desire that you will speak as an oracle of God and I have prayed for you and I know that the Lord has answered my prayers and I know testimony is great. Great reports will come out of this moment, this point in time. Father, I give you praise. Lord, I thank you. Oh, I thank you. Maranda The Lord is saying to me that you will hear the cry, you will hear the sound. Oh, you will hear the battle cry. You will hear and you will awaken unto righteousness and no longer sit in sin and shame. You will awaken for the glory of God. I see folks putting on their sandals. Hallelujah. Get ready, be ready, stay ready, Holy Ghost. Now is the time. To fill your vases with oil. This is the time to fill your lamps with oil and be ready to receive the bridegroom. lo The minstrels are receiving the gift of humility to do. Their work of ministering to the prophets. The intercessors are receiving the burden to get on their knees and pray for the body. But now, together, let us lift up the arms that are weak. Even the ones who are in the ministry of help are beginning to receive insight, receive wisdom, to become dynamic in their administration of kingdom resources, to lift up the arm, to lift up those who are less privileged. When it comes to their position in, at this time, to lift up the arms that are weak—literally, those who have become weak in in in, pro, in provision, those who have become weak in in, in resources. Father, we thank you. Thank you, Father, for you have chosen this hour to be an hour of deliverance. This moment to be a moment of deliverance. Yes, this is the moment. This is the moment of deliverance. Men have been set free from every demonic mindset, from every occultic mindset, from every stronghold of religious mindsets that are holding them back. Now, people are beginning to see. The eyes of my people are open, says the Lord, and their hearts that have been dulled are now being restored on to or, or, or restored with sensitivity to hear. What the Holy Spirit is saying unto the church is be magnified, O oh God. Be magnified, O oh God. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, my God. Wow, I wish you guys would experience it. And I know you can, even by faith, where you're at, to tap into the tangibility of the presence of God that is here. I feel it, even the dew of his presence. Holy Ghost, thank you for the dew of heaven. I feel your presence, O oh God, in here, and I know that you are here, but it just feels better when I can feel it. When, 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 when it's so strong, when, when I get into the thickness or when, when I experience the thickness of that cloud, especially when it comes with such a message of hope and joy and a message of deliverance for my brethren. Lord, I give you praise. Oh, thank you, Jesus. What a joy, what a privilege that we have in him, folks. Some of you all may need to play that again. I think even I need to play that again. Thank God it's been recorded. So that we can experience that again. Yes, you feel the power? God is good. God is good. I am so delighted that it isn't just me that is experiencing, that felt that power in that moment. Yes, keep the comments coming. Others need to know what you have experienced in this moment. Others need to know that truly you are a witness of his power, a witness to his power. Why don't you share it? Share it. Share what God is revealing to you right now. Put it in the comments. I'm thankful to God for those of you who are already expressing the love, you know, with emojis, but go beyond emojis right now. Type something. Say something. If you don't want to be distracted, you can come say it later. But let's keep this post active. Let's keep it bubbling by the grace of God. Thank you, Jesus. I'm going to read that verse 24. In fact, I'm going to move from verse 24 to verse 25. Verse 25 says, Then Zipporah, Zipporah was the wife of Moses. Then Zipporah took a sharp stone and cut off the foreskin of her son and cast it at Moses' feet and said, Surely you are a husband of blood to me. So he let him go. That is the Lord. The Lord let him go. If you have a New King James Bible like me, the he is capital H. So he let him go. Then she said, You are a husband of blood because of the circumcision. Folks, this is the wrecking ball. This is the wrecking ball. Remember that I said to you, that is the title of the picture that I want to share with you. The image that I want to share with you, the vision that I want to share with you is the wrecking ball. I want you to just picture a wrecking ball You know what it does? A wrecking ball is this huge ball of of iron that has a chain, a strong chain that, that tethers it to a pivot raised up by a lever or a lever or some kind of system. And then the ball is swung in the direction of an object that is to be destroyed. Folks, I see a hand, a holy hand The hand of the angel of the Lord holding up a wrecking ball. And on one side, I see believers on a wall. And it looks like the wall of a city, but it's a broken wall. And these believers are in sackcloth. They're not well-dressed. They look very shabby. And they're all clamoring and asking and plucking at one another as they're reaching to the heavens and saying, Give us the ball, give us the ball. And it was revealed to me, the Lord said to me, My people are asking for the power. But they don't know that the power is a two-way kind of power. If this power that we're asking for to take down the enemies of God and to advance the kingdom is given to us while we are yet like those people that the Lord is showing me upon the walls of a broken city, Then this wrecking ball is not only going to go in the direction of the object to be destroyed. Wrecking balls swing both ways like a pendulum. It will go in the direction of the enemy. And in in the direction of the obstacle. In the direction of the wall of Jericho. In the direction of the wall of opposition. But it is also going to swing back. And if you're not ready to catch it. If you're not ready to swing it right back. Guess what? He destroys you too. Ladies and gentlemen, folks, this is a cry, and again, accept me, receive me as the voice of him crying in the wilderness, preparing the way of the Lord. This is about the preparation of the second coming, and the second coming is going to be a coming with power. The Lord is coming to his people with power. And that demonstration of power that will precede the appearing of the Most of the Lord God himself in the person of his dear son Jesus in the blue sky will be preceded by such a manifestation of power. And that power is a wrecking ball that swings this way, but it also swings that way. Aren't you thankful that the Lord has not released the fullness of his power? Because if the Lord has released the fullness of his power, we can cannot stand in the state that we're in because even the body is not prepared for the power are we ready for that power Ananias and Sapphira were an example to us of when the power came they were not ready for the power because they still had deception that they were harboring on the inside of them and they had a lying tongue do you think we're ready for the power of the Holy Spirit today folks are we ready for the power of the Holy Spirit Now, before I get into that, I want to bring us back to what the Lord said here. He said to Moses, the Lord came to confirm to Moses that the power for the deliverance had already been given to Moses. And it it was symbolized in the rod that was in his hand. You read Moses had the rod of his power. Verse 21, can we read it again? And the Lord said to Moses, when you go back to Egypt... See that you do all, the, all those wonders before Pharaoh, which I have put where? In your hand. The power is in your hand, folks. The power is in the hand of the church. He says, I have put the power in your hand. And if this power is going to kill the son of Pharaoh. For you to know that the power has become active. The Bible says that the Lord God Almighty, after he reminded Moses, Moses wasn't getting it quite all right. Thank God for our wives. Because sometimes we men, we can just be so slow. But thank God for the women. Remember that when God was instructing Moses to tell the children of Israel to go and ask for gold and silver from the Egyptians, he said, tell the women to go because God did not have time to waste. You tell the men to go, the first of all want to go and have a drink on it they want to go sleep on it they want to go create a plan on it they want to create a project plan on it god needed people that we act immediately that we act immediately he said to moses tell the women to go when jesus was raised from the dead after the resurrection power was made manifest like never before Because everybody else who was raised from the dead before Jesus was raised from the dead by somebody else. But Jesus now, nobody laid hands on him. He was raised by the power of the Holy Spirit. We saw the manifestation of the resurrection power like never before. The church is about to experience the same kind of resurrection from dormancy, And the way it's going to happen is that only the people who are ready to move will experience it first. Moses... Even though he had seen the power of God, he had the rod in his hand. He was probably sleeping that night with his head on that rod of the Lord's power. But when God came to kill his son, Moses was asleep. He was unaware of what was going on. Thank God for Zipporah. Zipporah was the one that quickly jumped up because she knew that something was missing. The angel of the Lord is in action, the power of the Lord is in operation. We need the blood. The body needs the blood. That is the reason why I'm telling you in all my life as a believer, I got saved very early on. In all my life, even when I was too occupied with the business world to pay attention to what was going on in the kingdom, I still was getting an update of what was going on. So I know that there's never been a time like this in my lifetime wherein we have seen such a revival of the blood of Jesus. People are breaking bread everywhere you turn. Almost anywhere you look these days, people are breaking bread. And that's why God raised us up as communion house. He raised us up as a ministry to bring about the remembrance of the culture of remembrance. We are not wielding the whip of repentance necessarily, but we are coming out to you with a scroll of remembrance to remind you of the culture of remembrance. Jesus says, as often as you have the opportunity, do this in remembrance of me. What is the culture of remembrance? The culture of remembrance is that pillar that is resting upon the foundation of the blood of Jesus. It is the blood. We need the blood and thank God we're drinking the blood. Jesus says, unless you drink the blood of the son of man and eat his flesh, you do not have a part in him. Zipporah had that revelation when Moses was still like, well, what's going on, God? Well, what's what's going on? There are so many people that have been established in ministry who are still wondering what's going on. What is all this bread eating and this this wine drinking? What is all this flesh eating and this blood drinking going on around me? What's going on? But God used the daughter of the priest of On. Or is it the priest of honor? Median? God used Zipporah, the wife of Moses, to bring the blood to the mix. Folks, it is a wrecking ball because it swings both ways. What you're asking God to do to your enemies is putting the power in your hand. But mind you, when you swing that power, he comes right back. Are you ready? This is the message today, folks. The church needs to be ready. And the way we're going to be ready is to know the kind of power that we wield. And we know that if our house is not in order, this wrecking ball will not only wreck the enemy, but it will wreck the body. You've seen this two-way power. The same thing happened to Uzziah. To Uzzah, or, or some people call it Uza, but I, I, I went to dig up the, the pronunciation is Uzzah. Uzzah, the son of, I think it's Abinadab. He was the one who touched the Ark of the Covenant. Uzzah was the one who touched the Ark of the Covenant. And you know what happened? Remember what happened when they touched in 2 Samuel chapter 6, verse 3. The Bible says, so they set the Ark of the Covenant on a new cart and brought it out of the house of Abinadab, which was on the hill, and Uzzah and Ahio, the son or Azar and Ahio, the sons of Abinadab, drove the new cart. Now, I don't want you getting confused. Okay, so let's come back to Exodus chapter four. Exodus chapter four. God wanted to kill. Now Moses was not in disobedience. Moses was in obedience. He was on his way to fulfill the call of God. That wasn't what it's about, but he was in ignorance. So the church of God can have the right heart. The church of God can be passionate about winning souls and desirous of singing revival. But if we're ignorant of the way the power works, guess what? That same power that is supposed to wreck havoc or to wreak havoc upon the enemy, that wrecking ball can wreck us. We need to know this because I am thankful to God, and I believe we all should be, that God is withholding the power. Because if the power is fully released while the church is still back-biting one another, while the church is still lying to one another. The spirit of Ananias and Sapphira is almost taking over the kingdom of God because people are lying about the resources that God has given to them. They wanna keep it for their own gain. There are people that have been raised by God as psalmists who need to play so that people like me can prophesy, but they don't believe that they need to support my ministry because it's about them, it's all about them and how they can fulfill their ministry. There is no ministry fulfillment in isolation. There is empowerment in isolation when we are doing it in godly solitude But when it comes to fulfilling our ministry, we're supposed to do it together. There are people who are supposed to be pastors and teachers, but who do not want to share the things that God has shown to them because they believe that if the other man next door gets a hold of these principles, his church will grow. Let me tell you something, it's not his church. It is the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. So quit playing games, you little children. Awake unto righteousness and sin no more. Many a times I minister here and I would love for someone to play music and just worship. Because there is something that the worship ministry does to the prophetic. But you find folks right now, they're so occupied. And it's like, oh, it is, it is my ministry. It's all about me. While we are still in that self-centeredness and that selfishness, greed will take advantage of us and weaken our fences. And our fences are our defenses. And when our fences are broken down, like the one that was shown to me in that vision of people standing upon a broken fence and asking for the power, the power is not going to come because when the Lord lowers the the, the wrecking ball while you're still on the jagged fence, it's going to break everything down completely. Not only the enemy gets shattered, but you you get shattered as well. So we need to give up the self-centeredness. We need to give up the envy and the strife. We need to give up the, oh, it is me, me and my ministry and recognize that every one of us is called to lay our hands on the plow and bring all of what we have to bear to serve one another. We need to give up the envy and the strife. I know some people, they call me their brothers. They call me their brother. They say, oh, I love Pastor Moses. He's my brother. But then they don't talk to my wife. They see my wife and they avoid her simply because they may be envious of her in one way or the other or they have some bone to pick with her. Let me tell you something. If you reject her, you reject me because the two has become one. And this same Zipporah that God used to save the life of Moses when they got to, when the Exodus began, Miriam, who was also in the ministry, one of the ministry partners of Moses and Moses' sister, spoke against Zipporah and leprosy came on her because she did not move in the understanding of the fact that the two has become one. They didn't speak against Moses. They spoke against Zipporah, the wife of Moses, and God struck them with leprosy. So let me tell you something. I'll say this again. You speak against my wife. You're speaking against me because the two has become one. And that is exactly what happens when you, as a believer, you're speaking against another believer because they have become one with the Lord Jesus. So when you speak against his beloved, guess what? You're speaking against him. And you're saying, where is the power? The power should not come now. Because we're not ready for the power. We're not ready for the wrecking ball while we're still speaking against one another. We're not rec- ready for the wrecking ball while we are still in, the, in, 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 what's the, in such disarray. And we're so disconnected. Let me tell you something. God revealed something to me today. That there are so many people in the body of Christ who have come to recognize that they have wronged their brothers and sisters. But pride is at the door. Not letting them go out to make peace. I saw that today. Even some faces were shown to me. So-called ministers of the gospel who have come to realize because God in his faithfulness, he has given you the Holy Spirit to teach you. And the Holy Spirit has shown to you where you have gone wrong, but the spirit of pride is standing at the door withstanding you from going out to reach out to your brother and say, you know what? We need to put this thing behind us. You're my brother, you're my sister, so take me by the hand. Oh, I just remember the song we sang in the late 80s and in the early 90s. There was almost no gathering that we went to in the late 80s and early 90s back there in Western Nigeria where we didn't sing that song. You're my brother, you're my sister, so take me by the hand. Together we will stand till he comes. There's no foe that can defeat us when walking hand in hand. I mean, such songs, I wish we would sing them again. In fact, I just did. You're my brother, you're my sister. Take me by the hand, for there is no foe. No foe can defeat us when walking hand in hand. When we we work hand in hand and walk side by side, no foe can defeat us. That is what we need to do to be ready for the power. We need to be in one accord. We need to be tightly knit together. The broken fences have to be mended. And how do we mend the broken fences? By mending the broken relationship because the relationships that God has given to us are the fences of our family. And as long as we're standing on broken fences, we're not ready for the wrecking ball of his power. So the same power that we want to see, that will move, that will shift the the boundaries of the kingdom of hell. that we can claim back more territory is the same power that will swing back in this direction and if we're not in one accord, I tell you what we lie, the truth is not in us and we're setting ourselves up for a destruction. I'm going to rest my case here today folks and I'm going to let you take it on from there on your own. Study more about what I've just shared with you. Put it before the Lord in prayer. The power of God is a wrecking ball. You have read once again the story of ozah the son of Amenadab. Do you know that Ozza means strength? Aminadab means the noble father. And so the strength of the noble father. Just to let you know that this person that they're talking about is a representation of the church. 2 Samuel chapter 2, verse 3, which chapter 6, verse 3 that we just read, said Aminadab is the one whose house is on the hill. Whose house is on the hill? Whose house is on the hill? The church. Jesus says that we are the church and that we will be a house set upon a hill whose life cannot be hidden. We are the church. We are the house of Aminadab by what we have seen. We are the house on the hill. We are the sons of the father, the house of nobility. We are the royal priesthood and the holy nation. So let's stop messing with the power because when Uzzah, the son of Abinadab, I'm just going to use Uzzah for the rest of the conversation because even me I keep forgetting. When Uzzah, the son of Abinadab, touched the Ark of the Covenant, he was struck dead because he messed with the fire. He messed with the power. He messed with the power. He was not ready for the power. He wasn't. And the Lord is about to do a new thing. Because, you know, they set the Ark of the Covenant upon a new cart. That new cart is a representation of the new thing that the Lord wants to do through the body of Christ. But there are oozes amongst us. There are oozes amongst us. And, and by the grace of God, I would like to go into more details of that. If you would just bear with me and give me one minute. Um, and there is something that's just on my heart that I want to share on that subject. Uh, before we before we before we go ahead, um, I want I want to just make this clear. Abinadab, his house was on the hill. Uza means strength. His brother's name is Ahio, Ahio, or Ahio, His name means it means fraternity, brotherhood. That's what his name means. Now, I'm saying all of that so that you know that what we have here is a picture of the church. Because it is to the church that the command has been given. Let brotherly love continue. We are the pillar and the ground of truth. Let me tell you something. We are that strength. We are that brotherhood. What does that mean? Our strength is in our brotherhood. Those of us who are of the house of nobility, who are of the house of the father, whose house is on the hill, who are the house on the hill, the church, our strength is in our unity it is in our fraternity it is in our coming together second samuel chapter 6 verse 3 was written before i was born i'm not making this thing up by the grace of god i'm only privileged by the spirit of prophecy to receive insight into what this thing means and how this is a representation of the church but the church messed up by taking the power for granted he touched the ark of the covenant and he died the same thing that happened to moses or oh, that nearly happened to Moses. Now, listen, Moses was going to do the will of God. He needed the power of God to do, to do the will of God, but that same power nearly killed him, if not for the blood. Uzzah was trying to stop the Ark of the Covenant from falling, but because he didn't know how to handle the power, the power struck him and he died. Ananias and Sapphira were only trying to help the church be more established by selling what they had, but you know what? They held back some of it in deception. Let me tell you something. If you're not ready for the power, you're Intention is not an excuse for your for you to escape destruction. Moses had a good intention, but he nearly lost his life. Uzzah had a good intention, but he lost his life. Ananias and Sapphira they had good intentions, but they lost their lives. We do not need good intentions; only we need to have good, godly, brotherly actions of reaching out to one another and mending the fences. Give that person a call today and tell them that you love them with the love of God and that you're ready to put behind you those things that have come to separate you. Because without that unity, we're not ready for the power. Because if the Lord should lower the wrecking ball, it swings in either direction. He will take out the wall, but he also takes out the church. And God does not want to destroy what he's built with his own hands. And so that is the reason why the power is not going to come until we're in one accord. God bless you.
0: Thank you for tuning in and we pray this podcast has blessed you today. For more information about this church, check out www.communion.house That's www.communion.house Or follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Communion House. Hungry for more life-giving content? Head over to Communion House on YouTube for a full catalogue live and on demand. We're honoured to have your audience. Wherever you're tuning in from, thank you and God bless you today.